0: Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. And your dreams over
1: me are bigger than my own. Where we talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over
0: us are so much bigger than our own. We are just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride. Because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Hey, welcome back to Grow Water, Your Grass. We are here today with a very special guest and dear friend of mine, who I have known for more than two decades, won't show our, our age, um, so I'd like to welcome you today to Mr. Jim Mahan. Welcome, Jim. Welcome, Jim.
2: <laughs> so honored, knowing all y'all, at, though Aaron just for 17 minutes, but knowing you. <laughs> Maria and MK. Oh my gosh. When y'all asked me, I couldn't, I was like, you're doing like let's go. I, I adore y'all. Adore.
0: Well, we think the same. And I'll just give y'all just a little bit of background. Jim has worn many hats in his life and he's just one of the most interesting people I've ever met. And we met 20 years ago back at UK. He was the basketball manager. I don't know how you're keep, keeping those who lends our buddy JP in, in check, checking and making sure they're going to class, doing all the things. But since then, he has foster cared, he has taught, he has principled, he has run kids camps. He has now just opened a card shop in Lexington, which is probably, if I know Jim, the greatest small business in Lexington already within months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I probably haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg. So Jim, we're just excited to have you on and to learn from you today. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh we all learn from each other that's the beauty of it and just mm-hmm. being around that that's part of why I'm so excited to be here is because just being around y'all makes my life better and knowing y'all uh, th- that's the truth and so surrounding myself with people like y'all like count me in I'll be there Let's <laughs> go. set the reservation I'm in
1: well, we're just so grateful for your yesterday you have lived such an incredible an interesting, fascinating life. So we would love to ask you to, what if we kind of go back to your childhood? Cause you have a really special dad also. Yes. And, and mom. <laughs> okay. Yep. Have not, have not gotten to that yet yet, but would love to hear. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up, what that was like. Tell us a little bit, maybe tell our audience who your dad is and sure. um, let's go from there.
2: So, First, my father is a serial entrepreneur, but mainly in banking. And he was a guy that came from not much of anything and worked his way up in the banking industry, starting in North Carolina and then in Kentucky. But he grew up in Kentucky, born here. And later uh, in life, early 90s, my teen years, he put with my uncle at the time, first the first bank on the internet you can go look it up security first network bank that later developed to S1 so they had the patent on the software beat wells fargo i think by 48 hours to the patent um wow. got to be around that he was on cnn all these different things in his life and then ironically as cool as that was as, as successful as that was his latest uh, entrepreneur thing that started in 2007 which I was a part of I was employee number two or three right there for this started a bank in Wilmington North Carolina called Live Oak Bank and if you type in Chip Mayhan and Live Oak Bank you'll see it's on the American Banker and all these different magazines it's funny because it's like I know that you're just a dude who rides a tractor with the shirt off but anyway um,
1: welcome to Kentucky right
2: oh absolutely But he and mom are in North Carolina in Wilmington, and they started this bank, which is wildly successful. Where both JP, who's been on here before with Mm y'all, and I worked for, he still works there. I worked there for about eight years. So got to be a part of the business world, though the majority of my life has actually been working with kids. So very different. But childhood was, all here in Lexington, Kentucky. And I, I always tell people it's like an Ozzy and Harriet type childhood, like which shows how old I am because people were like, who's that? But it was a very awesome, full, rich childhood of safe experiences, travel, but great friends that live down the blocks, spending the night at their house every every weekend. Like just this wonderful, childhood so I know I had it great and I guess I know and later figured it out too that I know I was born on third base I I feel that way um very very deeply so spent most of my life trying to help those who weren't and trying to do that so childhood was absolutely brilliant.
0: So do you think that you're growing up being born on third base has really led you for you. You have such a heart for kids and such a heart for those that are less privileged. And that has sort of been the compass of where your life has gone.
2: No question. No question. And there are other experiences in that. that helped once you realize, Oh wait, I was born on third base. I like, I've got, I got all the advantages. Once you hit that, I, I think that it's hard to not think of it, all the time like that, like that's a hard switch to turn off and just be like well I would just had it and I don't care about anything else <laughs> like that that would be a weird that would feel very wrong to me um I, I I remember going I went to a camp camp seagull where I later was a director when I was a kid and that really opened up my mind quite a bit because I saw all these people from other parts of the country you know other parts of the world that came to this huge summer camp. It's two thousand kids a summer in North Carolina. But then I also that hit me so hard. I was like, "There's so much more out there." And then I went and asked my parents to go to boarding school, which is not usually how it goes. <laughs> um, and I went, so I went to an academic, not a, like a you've been bad boarding school, but like a really tough one. And then that. Kind of compounded the experience of oh my gosh there's so much out here with so many people with different experiences and that that kind of stayed with me my whole life and led me into my my first career which was i always just wanted to be a teacher i just wanted to help and be a teacher and so i did that um all through my 20s in my life um right out of college and then was a high school principal when I was 27 doing that as well, which just once you're around kids and you, you, yes, you're teaching Shakespeare, which by the way is really funny with a Kentucky accent. I'm sure he just rolled in his grave every day. Like she does teach the torches to burn bright. Like, right? Like just ridiculous. Um, but then like once you're in a position as a teacher and you're seeing your kids and you're 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 teaching Shakespeare, but you see this kid isn't getting it because of what's going on at home or what's going on in their life. Or then when you're a principal and you see it even more in depth, um, man, if you can just flip it off and like go home and like cook burgers at five and not think about it, like, okay, good for you, but I couldn't do it. So that, that led to many things in my life uh, ever since.
0: I would see those. I remember at the time, I don't think like, I don't even know if what social media existed. Maybe it was like MySpace or something, but I know I was friends with Jim on whatever social media was at the time. And I would see like all these kids. I was like, Jim, what is going on? Why are all these kids chatting with you? Because you really to know Jim is to love him. And he is just, this is true. <laughs> yes. First <I> mean, encounter. <laughs> it is just, he's just a ball of fun, but you literally treat everybody like they matter. Yeah. You they, treat everybody like, not like you would treat John Calipari being from UK the same as the janitor. And that's just something that I just respect and love so much about you. Jim has been blessed to know a lot of quote famous people, but that just is not important to you. And that's something we really talk about here is how we all pull our pants on the same way. And it's just a gift to be able to witness that and just see what all you've done. Like you've just done so much good. I mean, how y'all fostered kids talk, tell us a little bit about the camp that you all well, yeah, on man. that,
2: like, so <laughs> how can you not treat people? I, I don't get it, right? Because a couple things. One is Christian man, everything that drives everything I do is Christ. That's just the truth. And that's how it is. And that's not trying to be offensive or put down anything else. That's just me. And to me, conversely, like like if you say we treat everybody like everybody matters, then the reverse would be treat. Do you treat people like they don't? Like what gives you that right and ability? Especially when you think about, I know that I was born on third base. It had nothing to do with me. It was my father's work, mm-hmm. or that I was born in America in in mm-hmm. twenty uh, in nineteen seventy six. Like, so what has this? janitor or person gone through that had nothing to do with them nothing and like that's why all
0: these
2: different things like it doesn't make any sense to me so you treat everybody like a child of god and and you just do it and the more you practice it and do it the better you'll get and the more you'll realize this dude's a lot smarter than me he just didn't have the bounces that i got or this lady is Incredible and I get so much from her it has nothing to do with your job or color of skin or eyes or hair, like age, whatever. That's just stupid. I'm with you. It's but,
0: like, that's so what we live. what we talk about is, you know, we, everything we do also is just for the creator, right? We all point to the creator. No, that's no doubt. The purpose of being here, but it's how, no how we are molded and shaped by those people that we come in contact with. And you can learn from everyone. I actually think you learn more from diving into people's lives than showing up and throwing up about yourself,
2: right? No doubt. That's why it's kinda of weird. Obviously I don't have a problem talking. Um, <laughs> but talking about myself. Like it's not about me. Like it's about what can we all do here together? Mm-hmm. does somebody need to hear? Like mm-hmm. I'm just a dude. I'm just obviously I'm wearing a horse and around Kentucky shirt. I'm not very confident. <laughs> um mm-hmm. but so fact, Oh, you can go ahead, Maria. Sorry, I was going to answer. (laughs) What
1: would you say? What was one of the most kind of rewarding experiences within, especially with the foster care? Because you have had, you know, you guys have been doing that. Um, It's just, it's, it's so beautiful the way that you guys have poured your hearts out in that. And so what would you say has been some of the most rewarding stories and things you've gotten to see? Because you've gotten to see these kids grow up.
2: One of them happened two weeks ago and I've got a bunch of pictures of them here, but uh, I'll give you a little bit of the story. So I, I was working at a, this bank with JP, making a lot of money, doing great, but I wasn't really a banker in my head. Like that's not my style. And <laughs> I sure one agree. weekend, um, right, one I, I would just give everybody money. They couldn't make me a loan officer because be like, <laughs> oh, I know you've been bankrupt, but you seem really nice. Um, but. I, so one weekend I was in the mountains in North Carolina having lunch. I was recovering from a shoulder surgery and we were at this place for lunch where we knew the waiter and they were like, Hey, you used to be a teacher. Did have you seen that foster care group home nearby? You probably dig it. I was like, No, what what are you talking about? Let's let's go check it out. So we go to this place and it's like a modern day orphanage in, in some senses, where it's it looks like a boarding school, like a really nice boarding school. And it would be a place in the mountains of the, in the Appalachian mountains where a policeman, they go into a home, there's something bad going on. They got to remove the kids. There's no foster family available. Mm. They take them, put them in the school. And it had eight cottages. Now I think it's 12 of eight girls and boys or girl like all the way from 18 months to 18 years old. And I go on this campus and it was like getting hit by a lightning bolt. Like the good Lord was like, hey, hey, like you need to be here. I couldn't sleep. I was supposed to go home that night back to Wilmington. And I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to go home. And my wife and family left and said, I'll meet you tomorrow. And I called the CEO and I walked with him around the campus that day for about four hours. And I couldn't sleep the next night and I drove home to Wilmington through the night about five hours and showed up with two applications in my hand and gave them to my wife and she's the rock of all of this. You know, it's like Jesus and like Kathy's being a rock um, and said, let's do it. And so we quit our job making all this and living on a golf course in North Carolina and moved in with nine high school girls in the mountains of North Carolina, all neglected, abused, abandoned.
1: Oh. And
2: so we, we moved in with them and it was incredible. Right. So you go from this to making $20,000 a year. I got a $500 bonus from a master's, which is huge. <laughs> um, and uh those experiences from then on. So we lived with them for a couple of years. And then later I moved up. I said, you know, what can, what can I do here? I could live in a college with these girls forever, but with the connections and the resources I have, what else could I do here? So what I became was the kind of emergency bat phone for every foster kid that had been at this school. It's called the Cross North School. You should look it up. You should give money to it. It is the best place in the world. Unbelievable. And so basically if you had been at this school and you get out in the real world, you obviously, if something goes bump in the night or you have trouble, you don't have good parents to call. So who do you call? What, who is your backup plan? So I became the phone that would answer that call. And like, here's one example. I I had a Friday night, six o'clock, In the evening, people in town visited us. I get a call and it was, hey Jimmy, I'm in the hospital in Georgia, my boyfriend beat me up and the kids aren't safe, what do I do? So I go get in the car and drive to Georgia and start fixing. I was like Michael Clayton, but the good version, like the fixer, I would go and fix things. Um, You need a car, don't have the money. You You need a car to get to work but you got to have work to get the money to get the car, but you live rurally. Okay. I'm going to get you a car and you got to do this. So it would be things like that. And it was, it was crazy. But um, to answer the original question, the I had one guy that came from a real tough situation and he at one point was living you know in a trailer with no running water no heat in the mountains in north carolina with two brothers he finished high school he was working on a ski slope in the mountains and said you know if you you're a smart guy he was a smart guy and i said if you want you you can be an hourly worker for the rest of your life which is fine there's nothing wrong with that but i think you can be more if you want to go to college i'll i'll send you And this past weekend, um, he graduated from UK last year, but didn't get to walk. And this weekend got to come back and walk. And when they call, they say, all right, everybody who's the first in your family to graduate, stand up. And to see, be in the stands and watch him stand up. And now he's got a job with Amazon and he's in Phoenix. And, like, life is sailing. Like, to Uh me, and, and there's a, a bunch of stories like that that I've got but you you, you take a lot of Ls in foster care and there's a, there's a lot of losses and you got to be okay with that but when the wins come man they are life changing mm-hmm. for everybody so that to me would be one of the experiences and I've got the same with another girl that's the same thing like just her and her brother In the hospital after their second parent passed away, and they were there two weeks till till somebody said, "Like, are y'all? Do you have anywhere to go?" And they end up at the school, and now they come home to us. And she just graduated, and you know, during the pandemic, it's like you have to leave the school. Where do you go? Because you can't stay like you normally do. And it's like, well, you're coming to Kentucky. I mean, that's what you're doing. so
0: jim has us all crying now I know, uh,
2: so, so they'll come and do that like it, it's just um there's nothing more important than that work you, you also look at the carlson school it's one of those special places ever
3: oh thank you so much for sharing the stories that you have and for it's it's really amazing because we can see so clearly and i'm sure our listeners can really hear here, you know, you that, you know, this is a part of your purpose, you know what I mean? And it brings you so much life. How I guess when you're thinking about purpose or purpose within life, what is that driving question or that driving um, you know, idea that that you're kind of coming at when you're looking for your purpose throughout the different stages of your life, whether you're working at the bank and then kind of what was that driving? Question that made you, you know, give that up to move into, you know, the group home. So, um, and and what would you challenge maybe our listeners to consider when thinking about their life's purpose? It's a
2: great question. I so one thing that I kind of came through in my twenties was I'm gonna look at everybody like this and stay with me on this. I look at is my whole philosophy on this is sand on the scale. I look at every interaction with every person as there's a scale and whatever side is the light is the good side is going forward. I want to put sand on that side of the scale where it, it always is every interaction with me. I'm going to put it in the right direction where it's, Oh, I'm a janitor, but you treat me like John Calipari or it's, I need, just need you to listen, or I just need you to like, let's talk about entrepreneurship, like whatever it is. I want to add to that. But, and what happens is there is, this great joy when you ski see that scale tip to the point where a light bulb turns on for that person where I can do this or I'm okay, I'm safe or thanks for just sitting here with me in silence, whatever that is, I want to put sand on that right side. Now it's real easy that when that light bulb hits, it's just like when you're teaching, when you see that student get it and that's an addictive thing to be a part of. Right. But as you do that and as you put sand on the scale, you realize I can't just do it to see the light bulb turn on, to see the scale tip. And eventually you don't fall in love with seeing, seeing the, the kind of aha moment, you fall in love with shoveling on the right side of the scale. Because as long as I, that purpose for me is, as long as I'm putting on the right side of the scale, if I put buckets of sand on the right side and one other person later in life comes and puts one grain that tips it, then it wouldn't have tipped without what what I did and it tipped, which is the whole point. It's glorious when you get to see it. But eventually, as you do it enough, you want to just put sand on the right side of the scale. So that's kind of my philosophy. Like, that's what I want to do. The purpose, the reason for it, it all comes from God. And and knowing what I've been giving and just the awareness. I used to always pray. And early on, I started praying for wisdom. Give me godly wisdom. I don't need money, this, that, da-da-da-da-da. Just grant me wisdom and dealing with this world because if i'm with you and you're giving me the wisdom i'm gonna be okay no matter what happens so to me the purpose is do as much of god's work as i can while i'm here and whenever i go it that they're gonna say that dude lived life don't be afraid to move don't be afraid to take on a new thing don't be afraid to listen and and just jump into life like you got to Go out and do it. And I think that's like people like, well, why are you doing this? You're making money here. Why are you doing this? You're doing like, because like, it's so fulfilling. It has been since I was 16 and worked with kids for the first time. Right. So a fulfilling, wonderful life, that's better than having a whole lot of something material that's not fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And I've seen plenty of that. So to me, it's the purpose is put Saint on the right side of the scale every day, every person, all the time, and then you'll sleep well, you'll feel great, and then just pray a lot for wisdom on how to do that, because everybody's different on what they need on that side of the scale, which Aaron, you know probably well from your experiences.
0: If you could talk to yourself, Jim, just 10 years ago. And just give advice to yourself, because I think the Lord always connects the dots backwards in your life. You know, you look back and you're like, like, why did I work in pharmaceutical sales? And now I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I I was able to, you know, hang out at JP's pool and develop this friendship that now like 20 years later is so fruitful. So, you know, just all the things, but if you could look back in your life, it 10, 15 years and just kind of give yourself advice of where you are now, I guess, what would that be?
2: Another great question. Oh, I love great
0: questions. Um <laughs> on the spot. We didn't prep him at all. This, no, this is, I
2: love this. I, that's prep. <laughs> Obviously I can yeah. Um I would say it's more about what I would say is is be patient in the hard times. Cause I've I've definitely had some of those. Because I I went through this period in my 30s where I had 15 surgeries. Um spent time at the Mayo Clinic, just incredibly difficult. Right. But was laid low where you think about all the things I have and what the Lord was testing me with like money, fine friends, plenty family up. Great. Mm -hmm. Like all the things that were, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I couldn't lean on something that wasn't God. Mm -hmm. Right. All that was taken away. And it was like, okay, you're going through this surgical difficulty. And I'm so glad I went through it. I'm so glad Mm -hmm. that this happened. At the time I wasn't, but I would tell myself like, you're going to go through some difficult things. Be patient, lean on what you know. And the one thing you know for sure is the Lord, lean on that and be patient. It's not going to come in the time that you want. Every time I thought I was done with the surgery, there'd be another one. And then there'd be another one. And, then, and now it's gone and it's great. But that's, that's what I would say. Cause friends, family, my, people that care about you access to things like that didn't matter when I was in surgical health.
0: That's such great advice. That's great. So, advice. Just
2: be patient through the hard times because, and, and there's a verse that I always like, It says, you know, Lord, it's Psalm, I think it's 119. I don't know how to quote scripture very well, but um, it's be a lamplight beneath our feet, Mm -hmm. you know? And to me, I always like that because, okay, a lamplight isn't like a spotlight. It doesn't show you the whole path ahead, like 40 steps out. It's the next safe step. Mm -hmm. Just show me the next safe step. And I may want to see when's this going to end? When do I get to what I need? What? But in all honesty, I probably would have made a wrong decision if I had seen the path ahead. But to me, just that lamplight, like, okay, just just get me through. It, it was taken down to where I was thinking years ahead to a day ahead. Give me the next safe step. Be the lamplight beneath my feet. And that helped me get through all of this. And I that, then I realized that's all I need. All I need is the next safe step.
3: Me. I love, love that.
1: that. Jim, what would you say has been maybe your biggest failure oh, and how did you step out of that space? Because I think, you know, everyone with working with ladies that we do and um, you know, the failure comes up a lot, right? There's you yeah. surrounding that. So what would you, what advice would you give on that? You know, what, what was your experience with the biggest failure you've had and how did you get out of that? And what would you just say to someone who you know, is scared to death of failure and is maybe in the middle of a big failure right now?
2: So, yeah, I, I've had plenty of failures in my life, be it uh, I was only a principal for two years. I felt for a long time, like I burned out, I failed there. Or I was a camp director for this long and I wasn't good at some of the detailed stuff and I could have done this better. And I let people that like, I, I think failure though is, okay, so how do you define your failure, it's in the moment you feel this. But I know that if, if I look back on like my camp time as a director and said, oh, I feel there. I was, I thought I was gonna be there 20 years, I was there three, two years, that was a failure. But wait, the people I met there that I've now hired three from my time there that work in my current business And their lives have been changed for the better is what they needed to leave to go do this to experience this in a better way. Like it wasn't a failure as part of the path. So are you defined like you don't know what's going to come from something you define as a failure right now in this moment, May 2021, that actually was the best thing that you could have done or have happened to you later on. And you're like, oh, now I see if I had stayed there 20 years, this wouldn't have worked out as well as what's working out now. And I couldn't have brought these people with me. Like, it feels like a failure because of what you thought then. You didn't know that the plan was much better down the road for you to go through that. It's like the surgeries or certain jobs I've had. Like, that, thank God, one, that I'm not there anymore. Two, that I still did it. Mm. and things have come from that like it's like everybody's trying to avoid pain or failure but if you hold on to that loosely and if you go through it usually you like i didn't learn much in my life that was a super easy thing like my biggest lessons came from pain or failure this and then it's how you adjust to it afterwards and turn it into to something great mm. with prayer and work and grinding but if you just say mired in your, oh, I failed, I failed. Then you're never going to catch the next plane to success. So to so me, yeah, like to me, it's like failure. It's like when people say you have any gr- regrets. I don't have any regrets. I have stuff that was dumb that I did. I, I, like <laughs> that going, but at least it shaped me to here. And as long as you're saying, all right, Lord, how do I get better from this? and moving, Like you'll, you'll look back and be like, wow, I learned a big lesson from that. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you learn from it, there's no regrets, right? No, there's no regret. It shaped who I am.
2: Any failure, any regret, any terrible moment. I'm just glad I'm not still like kicking rocks down the road saying, oh man, I failed. Well, no,
3: we <laughs> took it into this. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. So good. I, yeah, I love that element that you're going kind to of, kind of address a, of kind of rewriting your own story, you know, from from today so that it doesn't, you know, cause a lot of people live with that. They have this perception of what other people think of their story, um, but you're kind of, what you're kind of saying was, you know, you have the the, the power, I guess, to really rewrite your own story. Um, love to ask you one last question here about, uh, you know, what advice would you give to our listeners to water their own grass?
2: Listen. Listen, like really listen and think about what people say. I always think listening is the most important. And it, it, it's not even necessarily people. Um, to me, it can be listening to the good conversation with a close friend or somebody you just met or the still small voice of God. Like listen, make sure you do that and you go home and contemplate that and think. And as you and and follow. Another great thing a professor told me is follow the argument as far as it'll go. As you listen to people say, "Well, what would I? What could I do to help this person? And what, what should I do here?" And like, let me just follow as far as I can what they said and what this means and how this would affect them and how it would affect me and how. Just listen. Put put your devices aside. Take a long drive, all that and I'm I'm a guy I live on social media and different things. but to me the best advice is to listen and contemplate and think about what was said. And to me, the people that when I'm yapping like I am today and then they come back two days later and say, man, you know I was thinking about this thing you said. I was like, man, I didn't know you were really let's let's talk about that. And that's one thing that like JP is so good at and different friends I have in my life and surrounding myself with people that listen and try and do the same, that really pour into your life and add sand on the right side, side of my scale.
0: Oh, so good. And that's
2: why I adore y'all because you do.
0: Well, we are just so grateful for you being here today. And just to kind of tie this up with a pretty bow, you know, I just talking about how Jim makes everyone feel so important and that we really believe that every person you meet in your life is for a purpose. So you don't meet anybody on a chance meeting. And I'll tell you truth be told, a funny little story. The reason Jim and I first met is we were set up on a blind date, right? (laughs) And we still laugh about it today because Lord knew that we would still be friends 22 years later. And I'll tell you, I still tell my husband who I love dearly today Jim Mahan's the nicest man that ever took me on a date.
2: He's hey, not- that <laughs> is so great! I remember, be- I remember like it was yesterday. Like
0: don't know he- Michael Jackson, and I laughed and said, "He is way too mature for me. He is so no, mature. not
2: at all." I just remember being like, "I'm gonna be friends with this girl for the rest of my life."
0: I remember thinking that
2: I really did. I was like, "Oh my gosh, she's out of my league, but I'll okay. be your friend."
0: Like, no. <laughs> God just works in mysterious ways so to know <laughs> every that person matters. every person matters. And when you meet people to listen and to love them well, and it's just been such a joy to be your friend for 20 years, to, to learn from you and just to be with you here today. And we just look forward to, I don't know what the Lord has in store, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're all working together one day in the future, just building the kingdom and just having a freaking blast. <laughs>
2: Totally agree. It's I felt that I felt it since I met Marie. I was like, I'm gonna be friends with that girl for the rest. of Yeah, my
0: life. I, I knew it.
2: I knew it. Yeah. Jim Paul
0: was like, "This girl's incredible." Where have you been hiding here? I was like, "What in the world?"
2: Yeah, this is awesome.
0: Like and no question.
2: I feel all leading to more things down the road. And yeah. hey, it would have been really easy for me to go home after that first date and be like, "That was a failure. I didn't do like, uh,
0: but." It wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, it was so fun. It was so fun, and we laughed out. Actually, my husband and I sat with Jim and his amazing wife Kathy at our good friend JP's wedding, and we just had the best night, the best time, and we just laughed. And you know, God works it out for His purposes. For it,
1: it goes back to God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own, I and mean, we oh have like Anne's like, "Oh, this is gonna look. This would be so good." Guys, like, actually, nah, bigger way bigger
2: like I would never have thought I'd be where I am now when I was a teacher 20 years ago no chance so just hold on to stuff loosely and be ready to move for him and Mm. and then listen and add sand to the right side of the scale and just live life just get out the failures won't last and sometimes they're not even failures so it's just your momentary thing get past it and go jump move live let's go
0: Do the thing. Well, for all of our (laughs) listeners out there, if you're in Lexington, hop by and see Jimmy's Kentucky Road Show, Sports Cards and Memorabilia. You can find him there. And as you can tell, he is just a ball ball of fun (laughs) and an amazing, amazing human, just blessing the world with all that you do. So if you like what you're hearing, like, share, download. And (laughs) subscribe. It does us a lot of good. And we hope to keep spreading truth, goodness, and beauty in your life. So thank you for joining us this week on Girl Water Your Grass. We'll see you next week. Bye.